Welcome to the RPGBot.news. I'm Randall James, and with me is Tyler Campstra. Hi, everybody. And Ash Eli. What ho, adventurers! And tonight we have special guest with us, Wolfgang Bauer and Celeste Konowich. Hey. Hey, everybody. All right, Tyler, what is happening? Well, I'm very excited tonight. Uh, Celeste and Wolfgang have joined us to talk about the upcoming Kickstarter for Tales of the Valiant from Cold Press. Uh, so you may be familiar with this uh, as Project Black Flag. The title was recently announced and the uh, Kickstarter launches very soon. So Celeste and Wolfgang have joined us to talk details and what we're going to see in the Kickstarter. For people not familiar already with Celeste and Wolfgang, like their resumes are long and wonderful. Uh, Celeste is the GM of the long-running Venture Maidens podcast. She's worked on a lot of products from companies like 2C Gaming, MCDM. She worked on Kingdoms and Warfare, if I have that right. Oh, yeah. Um, she also worked on uh, Rhyme of the Frost Maiden, which Randall and I both died in very recently. Oh, yeah. We yeah. made it hard. So I, it's, <laughs> that's good to hear. Dramatic. <laughs> Still hurts yeah. a little bit. <laughs> um, she's also a senior designer at uh, Kobold Press. Uh, recent projects include Tome of Beasts 2 and 3, Tome of Heroes, and Deep Magic 2, all of which we have very thoroughly enjoyed. We haven't gotten our hands on Deep Magic 2, but we really liked the other three. It's going to be pretty. <laughs> I'm excited. And currently, she is the lead designer on Tales of the Valiant. So Wolfgang also has a, a very, very long and storied history in the industry. He... I believe you got your start on uh, Dungeon and Dragon magazines. Do I have That's that right. one right? Yep. Back in All the right. print magazine days. <laughs> <laughs> the good old days, yeah. Wolfgang has worked on a lot of official projects, both for TSR and for Wizards of the Coast, dating all the way back to second edition. Um, he's worked on stuff for Forgotten Realms, Planescape, Al-Kadim. Um, I, I think you said you had one from Birthright as well. One skinny uh, adventure, but it counts. <laughs> it counts. Uh, in the third edition era, Wolfgang worked on Frostburn and Expedition to the Demon Wed Pits, which I also died in. Um, a theme. That seems a to be a theme. Yeah, That's yeah you got you got to stop doing that. Be better at surviving. <laughs> Look, we got to the final boss on that one, and it was spider themed, so that was a lot for me. Oh, <laughs> uh, Wolfgang also uh, worked on Horde of the Dragon Queen and Ghosts of Saltmarsh, which are, you know, very storied adventures in the 5th edition era. And so Wolfgang is also the founder of Cobalt Press, which launched as Open Design back in 2006, renamed Cobalt Press in 2012, and he's lovingly referred to as the Cobalt in Chief. It's all true. It's all true. So, Where do you hear these things? It's all true. <laughs> Wikipedia. <laughs> well, now we need, you're just now supposed we need to say research, deep background in research. <laughs> it's a little deeper than Wikipedia. I mean, now we need a cobalt in chief stat block for you know, an actual oh. cobalt. Tomo Beast Four. It's got to happen. Well, yeah, we're, we're gonna we're gonna get monsters for uh, Tales of the Valley, and so yeah. I feel like this is oh, a yeah. thing that could happen, right? <laughs> Perhaps, yes. <laughs> All right. Well, now that I've bragged about you guys to you guys, uh, <laughs> let's talk about Tales of the Valiant. Um, so we've been we've been following this since it was announced. We're very excited about it. Uh, we we talked to Dot about the first playtest document, and like we've been watching absolutely everything for any tiny detail. So, where are things in the design process currently? 
Well, Celeste may have a different yeah. perspective on this, but I'm going to say... <laughs> I'm going to let the Cobalt in Chief answer first, and then I'll past, Yeah, we're past wild-eyed optimism. We've delivered <laughs> two, almost three packets, but we're not yet to the Night of the Long Knives stage where we have to make final decisions. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, it's meaty, right? I mean, <laughs> Celeste, you can give us more details, but, like, three packets out to the public as of this week yeah yeah i mean we are in a really exciting position i feel like because we've we've gotten we've broken through that barrier of getting stuff out into the world and starting to get those first impressions uh and we've had just such a wonderful audience response like in terms yes. of participation getting tons of feedback on these play tests uh so we are in a spot now where we're looking hard at all that feedback we're getting we're making those final like fine-tuning choices about like the big changes that are happening and so we're basically building, you know, that mold that really works right now. So we're getting the core of this thing is really starting to take shape, which is a very, very exciting place to be. Uh, because, you know, once that core is hot, then we get to get all those juicy details uh, starting to build out there. But it's it's we're really close to having something that like lives, breathes and can start getting on tables. All right. So I, I want to ask a scary question. Getting feedback from real users a lot of times can be hard. It can be harsh. Oh, Is yeah. there any feedback that you've gotten that surprised <laughs> you so far? You know, we we have gotten so much feedback for this process. I yes. mean, this is by far and away the most response we've ever gotten to any of our playtests. Uh, and it was also the first one that we opened up just to the general public. Typically, we go through like our Discord and our direct community. Uh, so we, I don't think we were knowing quite exactly what to expect, but it it has been staggering. Uh, the amount, I think just that's the biggest surprise, the amount of people who are so passionate about this project and just passionate about the future of a game and fantasy role-playing, right? Uh, so that was an interesting surprise. Uh, <laughs> beyond that, too, it's it's really cool to see what exactly people want for Tales of the Valiant. I think that has been the big question, I guess, uh, in our initial design phases. It's what are people really interested in seeing change and what do people want to keep the same? So we're discovering a lot of these surprises. Um, like it happened after playtest packet two, I think, of character options. It became clear to us very suddenly that people were just ready to let go of alignment as a core thing on their characters. And awesome. we were a little bit surprised uh, that <laughs> it was just across the board, like, nope, we're done. And we're like, whoa. Okay. Uh, all right. You know, Will. that that kind of stuff, the, these little surprises are just coming up all the time in this process. Right. And sometimes we put money down on what would surprise or would not surprise. The early character right. generation <laughs> one was... was the Cobalt Bets. Yeah. And I'm not putting any names on who bet what, but, you know, standard array character generation versus no, you must roll dice or you're not playing, right? A tabletop RPG. Yeah. yeah. I'll, and, I'll admit, I was wrong on that one, Wolfkick. I wasn't even going to put figures, but... But I like, yeah, the old schoolers are all like, no, dice. Dice are important when you're making a character. Standard arrays are cool and all, but. Um, and so, you know, we we made one the uh, standard and one the variant optional rule. Mm -hmm. But of course, you can do either one. Of course. Okay. I don't think yeah. I've rolled dice for for uh, ability scores in like 18 years. Right. That's where I was at. Yeah, I was like, standard right. array. It's so easy. Everyone yeah, must do this, right? Pie. No. Uh, but I'm there's gonna, a ritual of initiation that says. Right? 
Oh, crosstalk. I'm going to call you both out as cowards. Cowards. That's what you are. Oh, no. Roll dice. Roll dice. Submit, submit to Dice Christ. Well, yeah. Right? Asha, 100%, though, like, he'll roll the equivalent of, like, the unarmored, like, naked character in Dark Souls and be like, yeah, let's go play this a game. Good. We're doing no, it. I like this. I mean, be, be brave like my DM does. It has us roll all D20s. Little oh, chaos. <laughs> Live a little chaos. <laughs> oh, no, man. absolutely no. <laughs> yeah, there's a line, sir. <laughs> That's we're drawing it. It's right yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it reminds me of the uh, like the old Mitch Hedberg joke. It's like you can't please all the people all the time. And last night, all those people were at my table. <laughs> uh, so talking about like how much feedback you've gotten back how much work you're putting into this because uh, and, and we've talked about bits and pieces of this throughout the history of the show um i think folks at home appreciate it. it takes a lot to make an adventure it takes a tremendous amount of effort to make a game so how big is the team that's working on this i can answer that but Part of the answer is it depends, right? Because, in fact, Celeste is the lead designer and is leading the design effort, right? Which is, depending on who we're counting, probably four designers, right? Like, there are four people who are really in there daily working uh, at the coal face of design. But at the same time, we have an editorial team that is working to turn that into uh, material that is clearer and more... Uh, comprehensible as we put it out in the playtest world we've got uh, a massive art effort underway which we've shown almost nothing of but there are dozens and dozens of artists working on this project plus an art director and layout crew so you know depending on what you want to count um on the design side it's really a big handful um but the team as a whole is well over 25 people okay I, I'm just hearing like four folks kind of doing the core design. Celeste, what's your caffeination level right now? Oh, <laughs> extremely high uh, at all times. Um, and, you know, to say the having these like this core group of people too. Uh, the thing about design is it's complicated and has so very many layers. We've had so many freelancers honestly touch different parts of this design in different yes. projects. And what's great is also we are bringing in a lot of kobold history and like the greatest hits and really working with a back catalog of material that has been made over years of like crafting here. So definitely shouting out to the dozens and dozens and dozens of other people who have brought us uh, to this point, even, you know, the people who are writing these art briefs, like for hundreds of new art pieces, or even just like reviewing things, giving feedback, like our personal playtesters around us, I feel like so very many people. This is definitely the biggest effort uh, I've ever personally been a part of. And there's just a lot of love uh, and and teamwork going into this thing. So related to that, I'm I am kind of curious. Uh, you know, obviously, Randall mentioned there's a difference between you know making supplements of mo compendiums of monsters and at magic and magic items and setting books and making your own rule set from scratch so what were some of the unique challenges that you guys faced in that transition or was it kind of a pretty seamless smooth transition for you guys oh uh, it definitely hasn't been seamless it is i think <laughs> almost in a way more complicated because you're dealing with so many expectations right mm -hmm. when you're designing a game from scratch you have the freedom to 
make it exactly what you want and train your audience from the beginning exactly what it wants. Um, and like part of the process for this and like why we've been doing all this play testing, why we opened it up to so many people was getting to the heart of what this game really needed to be, what needed to change, what needed to stay the same. And honestly, we're still having to answer those questions over and over and over again. So actually, I think that's that's been a huge challenge uh, of this this process and like we mentioned before some of the answers surprise us and we have to adjust and make changes because we we are constantly looking for whatever it is that that people really need and really want at their table so that's a question that's constantly being asked and a huge challenge when you're making a game like tales of the valiant instead of starting from the beginning right mm-hmm. my, i think my, ash makes a really good point no my story on this is simple it's we are sometimes looking for how we want to change it and have a very strong idea. And then feedback comes back around and tells us we're a minority. Um, yeah, we don't or, want that change. Go and, back. And we don't Go want back. that change. So <laughs> the openness of the team to hear the feedback from the community has been, uh, has been pretty good, right? When everybody shouts and says, Oh no, we didn't want that, but we do want this. You know, one is kind of crushing and the other one is, yeah, we nailed it. nice yeah ash makes an interesting point so if we if we look at kind of the catalog of the products that we've seen from cobalt even in the past several years um toma beasts i absolutely love um Mm. one of the things that i love do so tyler knows every monster in the monster manual but he doesn't know every monster in every toma beast book yes so when we yeah yeah when, (laughs) when we play in our group like the ability to bring in monsters and and really surprise people with not just like oh okay i don't know what this is based on the description you just gave me but also holy hell the design of that monster and what combat has become because of this monster um i use the uh, virtuoso lich as uh bbg for a uh a long one shot oh, great and it was awesome monster like, I think, just instantly popped into my head when you said it <laughs> and, and it's such a cool concept. We've talked about it in the past on the show because, yeah, that probably is my favorite monster that I've seen across the series. The amount of fun that you can have with that and like how fun it is to drive is, is fantastic. But OK, not to not to go too deep into that. Uh, we can also look at uh, deep magic. We can look at Tome of Heroes where, look, I've got character and I have a book on character options. Uh, Midgard as a setting. So you you kind of already have a setting laid out that folks know what to expect from Cobalt Press. You know, having said that, as you think about, okay, we have all these tools in front of us. We've designed these tools for 5e. We're designing a new game that we want to be compatible with 5e. How does the material that you've already put out and the thoughts towards backwards compatibility impact the design team? I crammed a lot in there. (laughs) Well, yes. But I think this is something we have been uh, working for from the beginning where There isn't one standard community-wide definition of backwards compatibility, but for us, or at least for me, it's can you play a Tales of the Valiant character next to a standard, you know, Tasha's Sanathar 5e character in the same adventure and have a good time, right? Like, are they working by the same framework? Do the roles all align? Do the monsters balance out? If that's possible, then you've got some compatibility. And what we're striving for is that the entire back catalog is instantly usable in Tales of the Valiant. 
sometimes with a little shim and sometimes with more of a, you know, a larger adjustment. But Celeste has been working, I think, starting in Deep Magic 2 last year to plan ahead and make things forward compatible so that some of our design in Tome of Heroes and Deep Magic 2, um, there's an appendix in Deep Med coming in Deep Magic 2 that shows you, here's the Black Flag compatibility, here's the Tales of the Valiant compatibility for the spell system. And it's not a big adjustment. Yeah, Celeste, you get this question all the time, don't you? Just how compatible is compatible? <laughs> I do, I sure do. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's just like you said, you know, we it's really, really important to us that people who have invested so much in this hobby, in this game, in Cobalt Press and their products can still keep using what they have. The ideas, the themes, the, the mechanics in a lot of cases are just going to be directly usable. Uh, and anywhere we are making those bigger changes, we're doing it with heavy consideration of what that is going to mean for those folks who who want to play Tales of the Valiant and they want to use some 5e options and they want to sprinkle it all in together. We are keeping those people in mind with every change we do make and making sure we don't make a system that is unrecognizable from what people know and love. In fact, we're very intentionally walking that line so people will it will feel comfortable, it will feel familiar and they can still use everything they've invested in. That is something that is really, really important to us. Uh, and we just want to provide that level of support for the community. So, yeah, in a lot of cases, that has meant we've had to walk back, you know, bigger changes that we would like to make. We do have to consider every change with heavy gravity. And so when we get folks saying, it's not different enough, that's why and we get same folks at the same time saying it's it's the same. What? Uh, you know, like <laughs> it's the same. It's too different. We're getting them both, and I think that actually means that we're You're pretty close balanced. to our goal. So yeah. as long as we keep hearing those objections at the same time, I think we're in the perfect space we want to be uh, for Tales of the Valiant. Okay, good news. I I know there is one. I guess, bit of mechanics that I think Tyler is not concerned about backwards compatibility for. Uh, okay, so uh, th this is our absolute favorite dead horse to beat on this podcast, ah. like to the <laughs> point this topic was literally the reason we started this podcast. Um, <laughs> are you going to fix mounted combat? We are looking uh. at so, so many kinds of things <laughs> that can feel better. Um, okay, good. We, what, what is so great about Cobalt Press doing this project is that we have invested a lot of time in making systems that work and yeah. improve 5e as it is. If you look at Tome of Heroes, I mean, we took it all on, man. We have variant spellcasting <laughs> systems. We have new weapon <laughs> options. We have tons of expanded just stuff to make the game cooler. So we're looking at these some of these products we've made, the products that we're making now, like our Book of Blades series. We are actively looking at these yes. problems and have been for quite a while. So mounted combat may be on that list of things I, that okay. we're, I could we're willing say to something please, about please, mounted please, combat. Please. <laughs> right, like mounted combat in Midgard, <laughs> at least, is important. There's a lot of art briefs I wrote about people on horseback oh, yeah. there's the open grasslands of the ruthenian plain and there's a whole appendix on different mounts and how they're cool mostly war horses mm -hmm. but not entirely mm -hmm. so <laughs> um 
And I'm just going to let slip that there was a discussion today. Literally today. I was thinking about this. Literally today where we talked about, well, yeah, but that won't work because these are mounts most of the time and this, this, and this. And we we were hashing it out with the expectation that this was a creature that would appear in play and we needed to address the mounted combat portion. So... Mm-hmm. I we won't need to say make we... it better for players. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's not something we think on every day, but it it's out there. Okay. okay. You have it in mind, though. I feel like that's probably the best news Tyler has heard in <laughs> a significant period of time. <laughs> We're happy to help. That is true. You, you just made his year, not his day, his year. <laughs> so I'm assuming you played a Cavalier at some point and someone uh, hurt you real bad. I'm sorry, but... Uh, I... I write a lot about how to build and use characters and how the mechanics work. And I have built out several cavaliers and uh, imagine compressing the suffering of playing a cavalier for 20 hours. Sorry for 20 levels. Compress that into roughly an eight hour writing process. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It hurt. Here's a solution to your problem. Just be a halfling and ride a mastiff. There you go. go. It makes it so much better. (laughs) That's that's what I did. And it was a lot of fun. Yeah. So my biggest curiosity, and if you guys can't answer this, that's totally fine. There, in the teasers, it's been mentioned that there was more than one more class than is currently in fifth edition. Can you guys tell us what that class is? One more class. Wait, is that true? Did uh, we miscount? Is that what math says? No, we're well, bad at math. Okay, here. Oh no. no. <laughs> okay, I'm I'm going to the Tales of the Valiant site. Oh no. You're going to use our sources as the sources. Oh, no. <laughs> How dare you, sir? I'm on their side. Okay. Defeated by a second. The player's guide source. includes 13 base classes. <laughs> there are 12 in the SRD. What's did number you, 13? Did you forget Artificer? No, cuz Artificer's not in the SRD. That's true. That's true. But you know, we have a witch base class coming in Deep Magic 2. Uh, which I happen to okay. Uh, talk about that. Is that going to be in the player book as well? Well, we oh, also have, have a third no in DM1, which is a whole other base class. So, I mean, yeah. I, don't I don't know. There are multiple okay. candidates and we can <laughs> say nothing. Ah, uh, I see. Okay. Play, play coy. I understand. <laughs> a little cobalt <laughs> trick for you. <laughs> okay, so folks are excited about Tales of the Valiant. Let's talk about the Kickstarter. So what's sure. the timeline for this? Uh, it kicks off in late May. We're, we're currently in that lovely stage where we tell everyone, if you want to be notified, just go sign up over here and we'll notify you when it launches. But late May is about as close as I think we can get it right now. There's a couple of things that need to click together, including some awesome preview materials. and uh, Anyway, there are things that need to come together. Um, some awesome preview material. Oh my gosh, it's so good. <laughs> People are going to be blown away. I mean, Celeste, you've been working very hard on it, and I know the graphics team has been working. Uh, I, I have seen the efforts they're making <laughs> to to pull it together, and it's really looking good. So, um, yeah, we're going to launch that thing at, by the end of May, and it will ship, of course, in 2024. One thing I can say here is there's going to be additional playtest material available to Kickstarter backers uh, that might not be public. So who knows where that 13th class winds up, but it might be might be a Kickstarter exclusive. I don't think Ooh. we've made the final call. Okay. I think that makes good sense. Uh, what I will commit to you listeners uh, is that what I'm about to say is going to exist in a 
quantum mechanical superposition. <laughs> if you were listening to this before the Kickstarter has gone live, a link to join the signing list so that you can be notified as soon as it goes live is in the show notes. Hit pause, go there right now. If you're listening to it after the Kickstarter has gone live, there's a link to the Kickstarter in the show notes. <laughs> go click on it right now. Ooh. We'll wait. <laughs> Dan, cue the music. And we're back. <laughs> that was amazing. Yeah. I mean, you donated a hundred dollars. That's crazy. I didn't. Thank you. Good job. <laughs> Thank you. Good job. If you didn't, shame on you. <laughs> Our pledge drive continues. <laughs> All right. Well, so let's talk. Uh, let's talk Kickstarter rewards. So, um, from what Dot told us when we had her on, um, you're planning a player book and a monster book, which will also include the encounter building rules. Is that still the plan? Has that changed? It is very much the plan. It is 100% the plan. We are doing two big hardcover books for this. And everything else is not yet the plan until we hit a stretch goal. So, uh, <laughs> okay. Can you give us a preview as to some of the stretch goals? Or are you saving that for the Kickstarter? We tend to save those. Fair enough. Mm. <laughs> I can respect that. Yeah, there's one that's I'm very perfectly reasonable. reasonable. Yeah. There's some really oh. exciting ones. Oh, I can no, see it on his face. Mind. He wants to tell you about him. Yeah. I'm resisting the urge to spill <laughs> because. This, this is a great place to give teasers, brag a little bit. Mm -hmm. I know. Uh, I'm know. excited that you're excited, but I don't know what we're excited about. I cast <laughs> charm person. Okay, so I'll just say, I'm a fae. I'm immune. Ah. Hey, it worked. Right? Oh, I'm still human. I'm not immune. I'm going to spill. All right. Well, <laughs> what we do have, I mean, our stretch goals are. Um, our main goal with this project is to deliver on time to spec with something awesome. Right. Right. Um, but I will say Cobalt press is known for reaching out to the community. Um, in deep magic two, for instance, we took something like 60 spells from backers, put them through a development ringer and are publishing them in deep magic two. Right. And I think there's going to be a space for the community, uh, to contribute certainly in the form of playtest and feedback and shaping the final product here. Uh, and there may be other things as well um, along those lines. So, and the other thing I'll say is we have a really fun idea for adventure support and I just can't talk about it. <laughs> day one. I hope we hit that. I hope we hit that. Yeah. Yes. That's going to be very fun. All so right. Look to. As soon as we're ready to talk about it, there will be an opportunity. If you'd like to come back, we can yeah. Uh, yeah, tell folks. <laughs> sure. Sure. Yes. So you talked about um, like community contributions to the Kickstarters, like Deep Magic. You did spells. You've done monsters and some of the Tome of Beast Kickstarters. Um, like if I remember right, uh, Luke Gygax contributed the Swobold. Mm, I think, <laughs> I think the, the Swobold was Ted, Ted. of a Nerd was Immersion, it? I believe. Oh, but I misread that. Um, I have a Luke sticker of the Swobold on my laptop. <laughs> Luke contributed. I can't remember which one, but he definitely contributed. I think it was a TOB3. I think it was in TOB3. This is the problem with printing 1500 new ones. Okay. We've, we've done a few of these. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, we like we read the the forward from Luke 
uh, the forward in Tomo Beast 3 that Luke wrote on our Tomo Beast 3 podcast episode, like the those contributions are adding a ton to these books and they're very, very cool. Um, are you are you planning on doing anything like that for the Kickstarter? Like, are people going to have the opportunity to contribute things that might be in these core books? Can we contribute a cobalt in parentheses in? Sheet? I'll tell you, I basically need to arm wrestle the editorial director for this kind of stuff because it's hard, right? Oh. <laughs> you open up yeah. the floodgates and, and the community comes up with all this great stuff, but it does require additional time and effort to bring it uh, in and get, you know, illustrations or, or um, playtest time on a monster or an item. So we are discussing it and the wrestling match is set for, you know, before the end of the month. And <laughs> if editorial wins, then no, no, none of that community content. And if I win, I'm going to go back to ask Luke Gygax to do one and I'll open it up to patrons and you know, Gil Simone did a couple for us in the Vault of Magic, and Adam Bradford did something cool. And I think Celeste, didn't you write a, a celebrity item or two in Vault of Magic? I think so. I sure did. Like, I sure did. I got Venture yeah, I put on a, a video chat with Deborah Ann Wold to talk about our magic cool. items, and I'm like, where am I? Where is that <laughs> <right now?" laughs> oh, that was extremely cool. Yeah, that is cool. That's very cool. So, yeah, so we're open to that. Awesome. And so just to recap, so sometime in late May, the Kickstarter will go open. We expect to have the products delivered to us sometime in 2024. Uh, but I think the great leading question, when might the world have its first opportunity to play it? Ooh. Well, we've committed to this and <laughs> kobolds are scrambling even now to make it real. Uh, Gen Con. If you come to Gen Con, there will be tables and tables filled Ooh. with Tales of the Valiant pre-gen characters, adventures galore, and GMs from around the world. So it's going to be kind of a first public playtest party um, at Gen Con in August this year. Come on down, please. What's really nice about um, about the process and kind of how we're doing this is we are really focusing first on getting that core down so people can, like we said, start playing it um, as soon as possible. And so we're going to get the heart together and we're working so furiously to make sure that is in place so we can do awesome things like these big public play events, you know, at Gen Con and really just start start getting it to the people because that's the test, right? When it's actually living breathing and being used all the time so that's how totally how we're we're designing this thing like starting so you have something you can do and play with uh and then spiraling out from there to to finish the rest so it's cool it's gonna be it's all happening it's very very exciting time uh to <laughs> yeah. be watching tales of the valley <laughs> and, and so remind folks with uh what month of the year is gen con in better August. one weekend if you have it off the top of your August. August. I think it's usually the first weekend. Yeah, of August. it's usually the first weekend, like the fifth through the eighth or the fourth through the seventh in Indianapolis. Yeah, around there. Um, and we'll have a link in the show notes. Yes, perfect. Uh, but you know, if you want to run it at home, the the first couple playtest packets for character creation and uh, and a slew of monsters is available for free. Um, so you can just sort of kick around, kick the tires on the very. Uh, beginnings uh, and when it's still under the project black flag banner um 
and and just take it out for a spin or or read yeah. through it and see how you like it. And please, please do take it out for a spin and let us know. Um, even if our playtest surveys have officially like closed, you know, because we do have to put a timer on those, we have a really super active Discord uh, community where people are constantly talking about like playtest, running their own playtests, like giving feedback, like talking about hopes and dreams for this project. So really, any point you want to get involved get in there and let us know because again at the end of the day we're we're making this game for our community and all the amazing people who have supported Cobalt Press and like love fantasy tabletop gaming the way we do so the more we can hear the more people get involved at every stage the better this game will be awesome and we will have a link in the show notes to the Cobalt Discord uh, so yeah go go check it out and participate be a part of this Please so, be valiant. Be a part of this. <laughs> I like that. Actually, yeah, that's pretty good. I should have led with that. So talking about August and then talking about actually shipping a product in 2024, I don't have a good impression. I've never published a physical book. How far along in, in the writing and the design and the editing process do you think will be by Gen Con? Do you think kind of the, the heart of the game, the core rules will be done? Do you think actually we might have a manuscript that's going through final editing? We've had turnovers to editing this week, but given the nature of I'm this project, right? No, <laughs> high, caffeine. high caffeine, uh, high caffeine, high yeah. caffeine. Also, hopefully congratulations to that person. <laughs> yeah, some of that's just like we need to start scoping out chunks of this, right? Because it's not the sort of 300 page rule book that you can just turn in later, right? When it's all done and every every element is perfectly pinned down, um, we're doing it chapter by chapter. So we have a couple of sections that are, the editors are starting to argue style questions. They're trying to figure out templating needs. You know, a lot of this is already down in a style guide. Like I'm, those sorts of muscles, the editorial muscles are starting to flex. And I know for most people, that process is totally invisible. For us to actually ship this game next year, we need to have developers and editors involved as much as designers at a fairly early stage. And what that means is by Gen Con, there's going to be design work yet to do, but not as much as you might think, right? Like we're going to be taking further playtest feedback. We're going to be figuring out some of the last hard questions, but a few things are going to be so well along at that point that um, they can be shared with Kickstarter backers, they can be um, taken into private playtests or, or discussed on the Discord, just to fine-tune the last bits. Yeah, we're going to have a very meaty manuscript uh, by Gen Con. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's and it's so definitely, it's huge. one of those things that it's the scope of it, the scope <laughs> of it, you know, it all kind of connects to each other in interesting ways, right? So you never totally like calling things done right it's like this is here and this oh, no. part is working so now we put this part on this other part and we've made a machine and now the machine is good so it's <laughs> so again when we talk about teamwork and all the people involved on it it is just it, it's a huge effort on on everybody's part but we're we're up and we're making something very cool and it's it's working and every day i think we're like whoa oh my god it's working uh right and then and then you're like hey can we put another wheel on it yeah let's go so we're, we're, we're at that uh constantly in that stage and i'm hoping you know one day we're gonna go to sleep and we'll wake up and be like oh my god it's built uh our, our sweet baby any day now we're, we're and the people love it 
Mm-hmm. Yes. It's going to go from wheelbarrow to tricycle to hot rod to yeah. Land Rover. It's it's happening. It is. It's going to be great. Yeah, I think uh, I'm very excited. I'm very excited to play at Gen Con and, and kind of be part of that group that's getting to have like collectively that first experience. I'm looking forward to kind of stepping out and talking to people. Um, I feel like when you go to games and there's something a little bit novel, you know, did you get to play Vice and like, you know, what games did you get to play? I'm excited about being at Gen Con and having that conversation of like, okay, you played Tales of the Valiant. Which adventure did you play? Like, what you, what class were you playing? Like, having that, like, okay, I got to go back and I got to play another game tomorrow because I need to have the experience that you had because mine was awesome, <laughs> but that sounds awesome too. Uh, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to making it happen. We're excited to have you. Yeah, awesome. I think oh. I, we're putting a lot of effort into the Gen Con scenarios, and I'm delighted with what we've got so far. Uh, the characters, the whole experience. So it's going to be... We, we love Gen Con. It's a party. It's a gathering of the tribe. And um, yeah, everyone who can make it, fantastic. But if you can't, we get it. We'll send you the digital package. We'll, you know, uh, we'll make sure that you've got those materials to run for your home group uh, and still have part of that experience. Um, have your own personal Gen Con weekend. Yeah. <laughs> take the weekend. Take Thursday and Friday off. Just take them off. Pretend, tell your boss. Order yourself Con. two pizzas, <laughs> two whole pizzas. Don't even wait in line for a slice. It's, it's going to be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, that pizza might be better than the pizza we're going to be eating, but we'll be together. So that's fun too. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Wolfgang Celeste, thank you so much for being with us tonight. Oh, so thank happy for to be here. Us. Yeah. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. So where can folks find you online? Well, the big obvious one is koboldpress.com. Uh, there's a little bit to be found at talesofthevaliant.com. And Celeste, you already mentioned the Discord, and I guess there's Instagram and a at Cobalt Press Twitter feed, if that's still alive mm-hmm. by the time we're listening to this one. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's anybody's and, guess at this point. Yeah, right? We're not <laughs> sure on that one. Uh, no check mark, very proud of it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> got it there. Uh, but then there's, I don't know, if you just want to follow my silly word of the day and, and musing about science, you can follow at Monkey King, again, on the Twitter L site. Um, but that, that's me. Celeste, you have a couple of Yeah, places. yeah. If you want to hear about me, talk about whatever video games I'm playing, uh, you can always follow me on Twitter at C. Conowich, or if you want to uh, f- find out anything else about me, you can always visit celesteconowich.com. But yeah, like Wolfgang said, all day, every day, Cobalt Press. So get in there and all our social channels. I'm probably talking there more than on my own personal stuff. <laughs> right. There's awesome. a blog, there's a store, there's an FAQ, there's so a much. There's a monster up. search tool. You never oh need God. to leave. I do love the monster search tool. Sometimes I can't remember so which much. tome of beasts it's in. Was yeah. it two or three? Monster search tool to the rescue. And then there's stuff that's in the creature codex. And it's like, I'm sure. Rats. It's in there. <laughs> we had to have one with a different title. The Difficult Child. <laughs> if you've enjoyed the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcast and rate us on Spotify or your favorite podcast app. It's a quick, free way to support the podcast and helps us to reach new listeners. You can find links in the show notes. You'll find affiliate links for source books and other materials linked in the show notes, as well as on RPGBot.net. Following these links helps us to make this show happen every week. 
This is the post-recording part where we make jokes. Okay. <laughs> I wasn't sure. Everybody yeah. was so quiet. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So, who's got the first joke lined up? Yeah. So this isn't a joke, but to loosen us up a little bit. I said, uh, played Valheim, and then I remembered that was like a Steam pre-release game that my kids ordered. They were having a lot of like, nobody played it's that at Gen really Con last year. It's a really good game. I played it a bunch. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, they loved I've it. Lo- they spent forever on it. I've heard only good things about that. Okay. It's that extremely the, uh, good if you're okay with dying. Constantly. Oh, that was the like survival crafting Viking themed mm-hmm. one. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah. Yep. Okay. See, I also love all the souls. <laughs>